Five weeks after the last game of the season, the Montreal Canadiens made it official. Marty St. Louis is indeed their next head coach. They signed them to a three-year deal. Is he a good coach already? Will he introduce some defensive concepts? Will he need a tactician by his side to do that? Do the Canadians bring in an assistant coach? That and much more. I'm Marinero, the sick podcast. Eric Engels of Sportsnet joins me. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Sports entertainment like no other. Brought to you by 8.6 Beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. Marinero, the sick podcast brought to you by 8.6 beer, intense by nature, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark and Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you go back to Lacage. The menu will surprise you. I know I'm going to be at Lacage for the draft. I think I'm going to be there before that too. It's that good. I can't wait to go back. Joining me today to talk about Marty St. Louis, who today it was announced it's official is indeed the next head coach for the Montreal Canadiens. The interim tag has been removed. There's never been an interim tag on this guy. He's that good from Sportsnet, Eric Engels. What's going on, my man? Everything's good, buddy. Congrats on uh, the success of the podcast. And uh, I hear you're ramping it up. So happy to be a part of it. Thank you very, very much. Uh, that's the goal. Uh, hey, listen, did you ever have an interim tag? You never had an interim tag, did you? <laughs> no, but I think everybody starts off on a probationary period, right? They want to make sure you're good. Yeah. Sportsnet, Sportsnet vetted me quite a bit before I joined there. As you know, I was a you know, freelancer working five different gigs before uh, landing with them in 2015. Worked really hard. Uh, and uh, yeah, still there. So I guess they like me enough. A hundred percent. It's uh, it's always good when you're still there. All right. Okay. Um, Marty St. Louis is still there. He's the coach of the Montreal Canadiens. This took a while. It took five weeks. And I know that he said it was a question of logistics earlier today where he had a Zoom call and talked to members of the media earlier this morning at uh, 1030 or so. But, you know, it was a question of logistics. He was there. there. He was here, there, and everywhere. And Kent Hughes was uh, at the World Hockey Championships and stuff like that. But I think we all had a feeling this was going to get done, right? But when a month went by and it wasn't done, were you at all wondering? No, not even a little bit. I, I, it even baffled me that anybody was wondering what was going to happen and whether or not it was going to get done. And I saw a couple of people put out tweets, don't worry, uh, they're going to get this guy signed in the next couple of days. Can't use a shirt. You know, like this was the most obvious slam dunk situation possible. Uh, the guy admitted in his end of season press conference that it would probably be at least three years on a contract for him. I mean, I don't think you're having that kind of public discussion or discourse if all of a sudden uh, you don't have some sort of guarantee that the coach is going to be signed. And I think, you know, Martin St. Louis made it very clear as we were pressing him down the stretch of the season that he wanted to continue on in his role. He was talking already about preparing for next training camp and all that. So this was a fait accompli a long time ago. 
I think there's real validity and, and truth to exactly what St. Louis said today, which is that logistically, Ken Hughes was at the World Championships. They've got the draft coming up. It was a priority. And I think part of the reason why getting St. Louis done to a deal wasn't top priority was because both parties already knew that they were going there and that they'd settle it when it was time to settle it. So here we are now. And I think it's the right move, Tony. I think this is a guy who already showed that he's a good coach in the NHL. I think he's a natural. And I think he has time to become great under the circumstances that the Canadians find themselves in without heavy expectations to be a contender anytime that soon. All right, we'll get to those expectations and goals and objectives in just a second. But before we do, he was asked earlier today, are you a good coach? Do you consider yourself a good coach? Listen carefully to what he had to say. I don't think um, I've proved myself to be a good coach yet. I think, uh, I think I feel like when I came into the league and I knew I had the ability to be a good player in this league, but it took me, you know, some time to prove people that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could, I could execute in this league. And, and I think as a coach, I feel the same way. I think I have an experience and qualities that I think I can make me a good coach, but I'm going to have to, you know, my, you know, my, my actions, the way I, I, I succeed will speak for itself. This is just another example of his honesty and his humility. I mean, it's hard not to cheer for this guy. I mean, you ask him if he's a good coach. I mean, if I asked you if you're a good writer or a good journalist or a good reporter, I, you know, I, I don't know. You'd probably say you think you're pretty good. You ask me if I'm good at what I do, I'll tell you, I, I think I'm great. But you ask Marty St. Louis, you think you're good at what you do? I can't say that I've proven to be a good coach yet. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's, it's pretty refreshing. It's pretty nice. It's refreshing. It's authentic. It goes very well in part with exactly who this guy has been for his entire career. You know, he's a Hall of Famer. He was an all-star. Guy was voted the best player in the world by his peers. He's a Hart Trophy winner. Um, he doesn't carry himself that way. You know, he carries himself like the guy who remembers that he was cut from the Calgary Flames that couldn't get an invitation to Montreal Canadiens training camp that uh, you know, ended up in toiling in the minors and was told that he'd never be more than a fourth liner if he made it up to the NHL for spot duty. He remembers all that stuff. He remembers his mother constantly telling him, show them, Marty. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to show everybody. And I think, you know, he took the job with that approach to begin with, which was, you know, endeared him to his, to his team and his players. And he has continued to maintain that. And I, I think when he took the job, everyone was kind of saying, I don't know about this. This guy's coming from the Bantam bench to the NHL bench to the Montreal Canadiens and the pressure of the situation. Count me among those people. And I will tell you that a first press conference is an opportunity for anybody to knock it out of the park. This guy hit a grand slam completely it to the upper deck. Like, yeah, we, we left that press conference saying, okay, I get it now. Like, I, I think I understand this. And then you know, you watch the way that the games went and, and the way the team competed and the change in attitude and the fact that virtually every player got better and the team got better itself, uh, you know, even though they were shorthanded with Lekkanen and Byron, uh, uh, sorry, Ben Chirot and, and Toffoli and, and Kulak leaving at the trade deadline. And yes, they yeah. lost nine games and somehow nobody booed them. Why? Because they saw what was happening on the ice and what was happening in the room. And his influence was enormous. And I just came away from that myself, Tony, saying this guy's a natural. I will tell you a little story. And I shared this in my column today. Yeah. I did an interview with Jeff Gordon in the middle, the middle of the season or shortly after he took over, whatever it was. And if you can't pardon me, I remember that one. That's yeah. where he talked about 
some of the standards weren't up to par and some of the right. players, I mean, they were, they had to up the, the nutrition and all that stuff. That was a fantastic piece. I, th- I thought it was one of the pieces of the year. And I'm not just saying that because you're here because I've been talking about it. Uh, I've made reference to it on more than one occasion. Continue. Please. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Honestly, it was one of the bigger stories that I've done in my career and it's 15 years I've been covering the Canadians and just in terms of the people that I spoke to to put it together and being able to speak to Jeff Gordon, who was kind of the authoritative figure I needed to speak to in order to be able to tell that story in a fair and just way. And he was just an open book about how he intends to modernize the Canadians. And I remember him during that interview, whether we were talking formally or informally, anytime Marty St. Louis' name came up, and this was about six days after he signed him as coach, he just said, I just think he's special. He's a special person. And I walked out of that interview and ran into Kent Hughes. And I remember saying to Ken Hughes, Kent, you know, like, I think all of us were under the impression that, you know, you hired Marty, you had nothing to lose here, and you're buying yourself time to have an extensive search in the offseason when you'll have more candidates available to you that fit the specific criteria of being coach of the Canadians, being able to communicate in French and, and all that comes with being in this market. And he said, Eric, if we had waited till the summer, we could have stuck around with Dom this whole time. But if we had waited till the summer, Marty wouldn't be available. Wow. He, you know, they made it clear, both these guys, there wasn't, they didn't feel the need to have this big open search or a lot of candidates to consider, even though I'm sure they went through some names. They both had a feeling about Martin St. Louis based on their past and their experience with him. Jeff Gordon tried to hire him as his coach in the AHL. And, you know, Kent Hughes got to know him intimately and very well as both their kids were playing hockey together and talk hockey and concepts and all that stuff. And these guys just knew. They just had a feeling that he would be a natural and he'd be put in a position where there would be a growth period for him and an opportunity to become better and better. And I asked him that question today, Tony. And the question was not, are you a good coach? It was, can you put into words yourself why you're a good coach? Because I could say why I think you're a good coach and you could say why you think Marty's a good coach. And it's hard for people to talk about themselves under those circumstances I loved his answer because his answer was so authentic. And I think his players love that about him. Too. So Ken Hughes told you back then, had we waited, uh, Marty would not have been available, but yet he was asked. Marty was earlier today, you know, throughout this whole time, were there other teams that were interested? And once again, he poked fun at himself and he said, yeah, my son's Bantam team wanted me back, but that was it. But the, you know, the, based on what Kent Hughes told you, somebody whispered in Kent Hughes's ear that Marty St. Louis was going to be one of the next coaches to be hired in the National Hockey League in the not-so-distant future. Yeah, I think Kent's feeling on it, knowing Marty as well as he did, was that Marty was prepared to start putting his name out there in NHL circles. And Martin, Martin's answer himself today really had to do with the fact that it was the worst-kept secret imaginable that he was going to sign with the Canadians and they were going to get this long-term deal done. So it wasn't really an exploratory time for him uh, between the season and him signing this deal with other teams. And I, I can guarantee you some other ones took a look at what he did with the Canadians and said, this is something new. This is something fresh. And this is something we're taking note of. And, you know, the NHL is a really small circle. And you know this, Tony. And I speak to tons of players, not just in the Montreal market, but outside of it. I speak to agents. I speak to everybody in the game. And what the Canadians players have been telling people all around the hockey world about their experience with Martin St. Louis, it's going to be a mitigating factor to a lot of the ones that keep players out of this market. You know, I I think there's going to be a lot of players around the league that say to themselves, I don't know about Montreal, but the opportunity to play for that guy and the way he does things and the way people are talking about him, that excites me. Even Johnny Goodrow? 
<laughs> well, I don't know about that. You know, I, I hear Brad Tree Living saying this guy should retire a Calgary Flame. You look at what Johnny Goudreau did in Calgary. I understand, you know, there was some natural uh, speculation there just based on the kind of relationship with Hughes and, and Martin St. Louis and all that and the type of player Goudreau is. Um, but I think you're going to hear that not just about him, but uh, about other star players around the league. You know, we talked about Chris Letang a lot. His name has been out there. It's another one of the worst kept secrets out there that if he doesn't sign with Pittsburgh, there's a strong belief and a strong sense that he'll be willing to be here in Montreal be- because of his relationship with Ken Hughes, but also because of what the opportunity can present to him and somebody yeah. who likely wanted to play here at some point. So th- you're going to hear about more and more players, I think, and not just those two guys that we just talked about. You're going to hear about sportbuffshop.com as well, because that's where you can shop for all your sports licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, T-shirts for some of your favorite teams, all major leagues, and our sick merchandise. It's funny because we're talking about Marty St. Louis' humility, and I'm wearing a shirt that says, who's better than me? Nobody. My God, what was I thinking to wear this shirt today? You you got to be who you are. You got to be who you are. You're right about that. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of their items. All right, okay. He was asked today where his focus is going to be in terms of the upcoming season. This is what he had to say. Tu la culture puis comment qu'on veut jouer, tu sais puis donner la confiance aux jeunes joueurs de donner une opportunité, une plateforme pour continuer à se développer. puis je crois si on focus sur le processus, je pense le le succès va être un un side effect comme on dit. fait que c'est il faut, faut que tu fasses attention, à, 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 surtout quand tu as une équipe jeune. Euh, c'est sûr, le gagner est très important, mais on, on peut-tu bâtir quelque chose qu'on va être une équipe qui va avoir du succès année après année? Puis des fois, ça, ça prend un petit peu de temps à bâtir. Mais si, on, on a, on, on, si le plan, c'est de toujours essayer de gagner le, le prochain match tout le temps, mais peut-être que tu vas gagner un petit peu plus de matchs, mais je pense que c'est, c'est du succès à court terme c'est de continuer le processus pour essayer de bâtir une culture, un environnement où ce que l'équipe va être euh, euh, une place où ce qu'on va, on, on va faire les séries euh, année après année. And there you have it. There's Martin Saint-Louis en français basically saying, we're going to focus on the process. The success that's going to come in years to come is going to be a side effect. And, you know, we're, we're not going to do everything at all costs to try and win right away. We want to be able to win for a long period of time, we want it to be sustainable. It almost sounds like he's saying, Eric, translation, expect us to be, you know, um, a team that is going to be rebuilding over the next couple of years because, you know, it, it, it's not, you know, the way to do it is not to be bad just one year. The way to probably do it is just to be bad a couple of years and then stuff happens organically, right? I mean, was that just my reader? What is he saying? Is he not telling us in a nice way that the next couple of years are going to have more losses than wins, but then after that, they're going to be able to win for a longer period of time? What was your conclusion? Yeah, I think they want to win as much as possible, but not at the expense of developing their young players who are going to be able to give them that sustained success over a long period of time that they're aiming for. And, um, you know, I, I think what that means is that when you've got, say it is Shane Wright, yeah. just for example, right? It might not be, it might be your Slavkowski has, well, wow, that won't be the first time I screw up that guy's name. Yeah, Uri Slavkowski. Yeah, it might, that's beautiful, by the way. That might you. be, might be Logan Cooley, might be, you know, 
but let's just say it's Shane Wright. And let's just say Shane Wright comes to camp and he has a great camp and he's going to play at least the first nine games of the season or it's Logan Cooley or the other guy that you just mentioned that I'm going to start practicing in the mirror to make sure I get his name right. Uh, Slavkovsky. Okay. There we go. Um, awesome. The idea is let's get this guy on the ice. Let's get him quality minutes and let's live with the mistakes that he makes, even if it costs us a win down the road. Maybe he's going to win a key faceoff uh, in the offensive zone, but lose one in the defensive zone that costs us a goal. And we're going to end up losing the game or a point in overtime because he wasn't able to make that play, but he's going to learn from it. And that's going to lead to sustained success down the road because he's had that experience and he wasn't, you know, docked for it. He wasn't treated in such a manner that he can't make a mistake or it's going to be curtains for him. But you know what? I, I, I was listening to that clip and I was listening to everything that Martin St. Louis said. And I, you know, in doing these press conferences, I have to write down everything he says as well. So he had a real opportunity to process everything he's saying. And you know what words stood out to me the most about uh, that he used? It's we. We as in you and me, we. Every time we hear from Ken Hughes, every time we hear from Jeff Gordon, um, you know, they have put a massive emphasis on harmonizing all their different departments. And when I hear what Martin St. Louis is saying in that, I hear a global philosophy that has been adopted from management down to the coaching staff. Correct. These, guys are, these guys are all on the same page, which is why when you asked me before, was I a bit surprised it took so long? No, because they both knew it was going to happen, that they were yeah. going to get this deal done because they're so on the same page and so going in the same direction. But that harmony. They, they sold him on the philosophy and he said, you know what? I agree with you first first, you know, sustainability long-term, this is the best way we got to do it. And this guy, uh, look, we we follow Marty St. Louis' career intently as a player. He was, I mean, if you could pick out from his era of hockey, 10 guys who were more competitive than he was, I I don't think you could, honestly. And there was a lot of gritty guys in that era, but that guy, you watch him play at the playoffs and what he did and what he played through, he was incredibly competitive and I guarantee you he wants to win every game that he coaches no matter what the circumstances but he's got a brain and he's got a brain that's unified with the one that's in the front office and the one that's in the analytics office and and this is how you build a robust healthy organization if you have people that are doing their own thing uh, and siloed within their own department and you're not having that open line of communication and yeah you could debate and you could disagree and all that is healthy but if you don't have that unified kind of philosophy and everybody on the same page, that's where things start to slip. And inevitably, that's how this team ended up in the situation it found itself in this year. There was too much fraction, too much happening way at the top of everything with Mark Bergman, not saying this to denigrate Mark Bergman. He's a solid hockey man, a smart hockey man. But he kept a lot of things close to the vest and close to himself because he was afraid about what might get out to the media. He was afraid about what might get out to the players. He tried to compartmentalize kind of everything. And you ended up with this fractitious situation where everyone was on the same page for the playoff run. And then everyone was off of it for the rest of what happened this season and resulted in him losing his job and all that. So this is the direction that they're going. And this is the thing that you should probably tether the most hope that you have for the Canadians going in the right direction is this harmony that they're trying to build in the front office. And I, I believe in the two guys that are there right now in, in Hughes and Gordon in the way they speak and the, their thoughts and that philosophy. And it's clear that Martin St. Louis is right there in step with them. 
It's like a treadmill, right? If you want it to work, you have to be on it for, uh, you know, an extended period of time or else if you don't, you're just going to get on. And so I have to talk to you about matrixhomefitness.ca. Bring it home. Discover club quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Matrixhomefitness.ca. You have to spend a lot of time on the matrixhomefitness.ca treadmill if you want to keep up with Marty St. Louis. Hey, what do you say um, to a hockey person who tells you, that hockey department, that coaching staff is missing an experienced tactician. Eric, you know this for the longest time. Um, coaching staffs always had a defensive tactician on the staff on the staff for the most part, right? Some of those who were the very best, sometimes even more qualified than the coach, but probably weren't able to lead or weren't able to manage the same way, were probably named associate coaches in the day. I think the Canadians got some good coaches, but do they have a defensive tactician? And what do you say to, if they don't, if that is something that is missing and should the Canadians go out and hire another assistant coach? Like before I answer, who is that guy in your mind? Like who is, who's a prime example of what you're, is it Jacques Martin or is it? Well, yeah, well, Jacques Martin would be one. And, uh, you know, Dave King back in the day with the Canadians would be another, but it just, you know, there's, there's always a guy who's a little bit more X's and O than a than another guy, right? For example, when when Guy Carboneau was coaching, if memory serves me well, I believe that guy was Clément Jodoin, right? Uh, yeah, Claude he was. Julien, Clément was there for Terrier also. Yeah, when when Claude Julien was there, it was more Claude than one of his assistants who was more of that X's and O's guys. But you know, although Randy Cunningworth, I'm sure, is a pretty good X's and O's guys, I think a lot of people look at this staff right now and think that one is missing. Is that a big deal? I don't know if I agree, and I'll tell you why. I, I think there's a kind of a misnomer about St. Louis and X's nose and that the idea that because he's into what he calls concepts versus systems, um, there's a sense somewhat that he's a bit looser in that and he's all about feel. And he, But I, I do think he knows the X's nose back and forth. Um, he's just got a different way of communicating about them. Now, if you want to argue that what he is missing is someone that is one of his own guys, that I get, you know, like yes. that. And I would think a guy who signs a three-year deal has somebody in his, in his mind, if not more than one person that he says, I'd really like to have this guy riding shotgun with me. I know exactly what he could bring and I know exactly what we're missing. And I, you know, I think from a priority standpoint, special teams takes on much more of a, a priority than, than a defensive kind of shell system types person but i don't what's clear to me is this on the coaching side okay and this is based on my information and also my opinion so i just want to qualify it the assistant coaches of the canadians are all under contract right correct um jeff molson was giving out a lot of money to people that are no longer with the team but we're still under contract right Correct. Claude Julien now is off the books and uh, Dominic Ducharme will be paid for the next two seasons. Now, not only that, all the assistant coaches were extended last year and yes. Trevor Litowski came on as a new coach who, you know, obviously didn't just come on for one year. So, so all the contracts would expire when Ducharme's was supposed to expire. If memory yeah. Serves me well. yeah. So I, I think that's part of this. That's the first thing. The second thing is, I think Martin really did find a – you know, I was speaking to Brandon Gallagher today about how Martin leaned on his assistant coaches. Uh, you know, he didn't have the arrogance to think that he should do it all. He did believe that some of these guys uh, had something valuable to contribute in their own specific departments, and he leaned on them to do it. Um, you know, you talk about Luke Richardson. Like, 
find me a defenseman who played under Luke Richardson that doesn't love playing under Luke Richardson, right? Like they, these guys have raved about him nonstop since he's been here. And I will say that if a change is going to happen, and I think that's why when, when St. Louis was asked today if he specifically would like to bring in a head coach type of a guy with head coaching experience or one of his own guys or whatever it is, he said he didn't have any plans for it right now. I'm circling the name of Luke Richardson and saying there is at least one NHL team out there that would be interested in, in at least interviewing this guy for a head coaching job. And he was worthy of one here in Montreal, but didn't qualify based on, you know, what we all know is a prerequisite for the job of being able to communicate in French. And I don't think he takes that personally, but yeah. I do believe he has ambition to be a head coach in the NHL. And I don't know that the Canadians would stand in his way of doing it if the opportunity would be there. I do think this summer we're going to hear about his name and some interview processes. And if that does happen, and if for whatever reason Luke gets that opportunity to be you know, a head coach, whether it's at the HL level or the NHL level, or he gets into an associate role that puts him as the next guy in line in an organization where it can absolutely happen for him, that will open the door for St. Louis to make that type of change that we're talking about where he brings in a guy, whether it's a John Tortorella. I'm not saying that John Tortorella would be an assistant coach for Martin St. Louis. I'm just bringing up an example. Let me tell you. No complaints. I'm just bringing up an example, but I'm just saying, you know, like I could see him bringing in one of his own guys if that door opens because Luke Richardson gets an opportunity elsewhere. I don't, I can't see the Canadians as much as they value Luke Richardson and and they do believe me. I can't see them standing in his way of uh, achieving that ambition when the door is closed to him to doing it here. Yeah, I agree with a lot of the things you said. I also have another opinion on it, though, too, as to why they probably didn't bring in an assistant coach right now. If they bring in an assistant coach, they bring in a tactician. That tactician helps them pick up nine more points in the season. I don't think that's necessarily the road they want to go down right now, right? I think they want to do the organic thing of having a team that's not particularly strong on paper just play it out. The They'll live with the young players' mistakes, like you said. And should they happen to finish near the bottom of the league again and they end up getting a third or fourth pick, well, then that's okay. Yeah, I, I like the way you just put it at the end there, right? Like, I don't think it's that it's their ambition to be a bottom-feeding team next year. Uh, that That's clearly not what they want. They want to be competitive. In fact, if they make the playoffs next year, they'll be thrilled. Um, are they okay? with the scenario playing out where, you know what, it just didn't happen and we didn't have the pieces and we had realistic expectations that it didn't, you know, that it wasn't going to happen. And, you know, Marty kept the guys competitive and the attitude was good and the culture was good, but here we are again and we're, we're in the bottom five, but it's going to present us this opportunity to get better and better again. They'll be okay with it. Exactly. What you said. Yeah. They'll be okay with it. They're not aiming for it. Um, and I don't think they're making moves in that vein of, if they can get someone who makes them better, both short-term and long-term, they would do it. If, if they found out that for whatever reason, Barry Trotz wanted to come in and be an assistant coach for Martin St. Louis, which is absolutely not happening and there's zero chance of it, uh, they wouldn't say to themselves, hmm, I, I don't know, it might lead to 15 more points in the standing, so I don't think we want to bring in Barry Trotz. If anything, they'd probably say, we don't want to make Marty feel like Barry Trotz is breathing down his neck on the bench. But yeah. just the point is, I think anything that they could do that would make them better and competitive and and right away like a contender or or obviously we're not – I don't want to be crazy. They're not – no matter what they do, unless they get Sidney yeah. Crosby in the offseason, they're not going to be a contender next year. But they would do anything to be that, that competitive. I, but I do agree with you. I think they're okay if it goes the other way. 
So how well does Marty St. Louis know his bench? Let's hear that right now. Pelly killer, power play guy. I feel like I've I've, I've been in, in, in many situations that I think it's so valuable in terms of, you know, experience uh, in this league. Uh, I think I understand what my bench feels like. Everybody on my, on my roster, I think I know where they feel, uh, you know, because I felt everything they felt based on where they, you know, were in the depth chart or, or whatnot. Uh, you know, and I think the fact that I was able to play for a long time I think I was able to be exposed to many uh, different coaches, different, you know, different situation on the ice. I've always been a student of the game and I feel like I, 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 uh, I feel like I, I, uh, I absorbed a lot of that. And, and now it's, it's, it's to try to teach that. All right. So there you have it. I think he's trying to say that in uh, not only is he going to continue to comp- to apply his concepts, but in the 33, uh, 37 games that he was behind the bench, he's got a scouting report on every player on his team. He knows what they're capable of and maybe not capable of at this time. Oh, I would agree. Um, also, though, as you were as you were playing that, did you uh, did you happen to notice who was in front of him in that picture of him wearing that mask? It was Cole Caulfield and? Let's bring it up. This Paul Byron, right? Uh, Caulfield and Byron, correct. Here's what Paul Byron said to me in a conversation today about St. Louis and knowing his bench, okay? Yeah, I read it in your piece, but this is great. For the benefit of our listeners and our viewers, please tell me. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a single guy who isn't happy and doesn't want to come back and play for him or believe he was a great coach in a short time with us. He sees and thinks the game at one of the highest levels ever played, which was evident in his playing career. But what I'd say separates him from other great players who might not have had success coaching is his ability to communicate the way he sees the game to you. The way he can communicate and relate to almost any player really separates him from most coaches. And that's part of the quote. It was a really, <laughs> it was a really long quote, so I won't yeah. go through the whole thing because yeah. I, on Twitter I only posted yeah, I two, saw you paragraphs, tweeted. Two, yeah. two of the three paragraphs. But yeah. You think Paul Byron's the only guy who's saying this about Martin St. Louis? Every player he coached is saying this stuff about Martin St. Louis. Yeah. He, um, look, he had a lot to prove as a coach. And you talked about him really hitting it out of the park at his initial press conference. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. And not only did he make a great first impression with us, members of the media, and with the fan base, but I have a feeling, too, that his 10-minute pep talk when he introduced the team for the very first time was really, really good. And he was able to deliver. Um, you know, they bought what he was selling. He gave, you, he gave you a sample of it in his answer that you just kind of played there. You know, he basically, you know, I spoke to players about it. He, he got into the room and he addressed the players and he said guys i have been in every single one of your shoes i have been the healthy scratch i have been the fourth liner looking for more ice time i've been the third liner i've been the all-star i've been the superstar scorer i've been the hall of famer and i'm telling you right now that i have been through every single situation you have been through but it's not just what he said right it's the way he says things he has a way of inspiring and reaching his players um and he carries himself as brandon gallagher said to me today with a level of confidence that inspires confidence that he that 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 gets that buy-in, right? Like the hardest thing to do as an NHL coach, whether you have 
as much experience as St. Louis had, which is very little, or as much as Barry Trotz has, is to get that universal buy-in from your players. You need to get it from your leadership group first, and then it transfers from the leadership group to the rest of your team. And I think St. Louis had it instantaneously because of how confident he was that he could do the job while everybody was doubting him. Yeah. And because of the, the circumstances he came into, right, with, with very little pressure on him, with the team not getting worse, it wasn't going to get worse than it was uh, over those preceding weeks that before he took over. And I, I don't know, like, do I think this guy is the greatest coach on earth? No, but I'm a big believer. This is my life philosophy that I'll share with you right now. If you are good at something, if you start off as good, you could become great fast. If you are bad at something, it could take you 25 years to become great at it. It doesn't mean you should be discouraged and never do it. But I'm yeah. a big believer that if you start off at good, you could be great fast. And I believe Martin said started. Or 20 started, years, or 20 yeah. years, not 25. Yeah. Like if I started bad. off as bad. If you're bad. And no, what I, I do, and it took me 20 years to be good. You you had a natural aptitude for it. That's why you ended up in this, and you became good quite quickly, and you became great quite quickly. And Thank Martin St. Louis it started off as better than good for a guy who was coaching bantam hockey and went to the NHL. And yeah. he will – I do believe he will become great. We're only going to find out for sure when the pressure is on for him to win. He gets in those tight situations where you have to make – you're going to make the difference with the decisions you make. Uh, when the money's on the line, right? So yeah. we'll see. But for a guy, I wouldn't bet against him. Ken Hughes said in the opening press conference, I would never bet against this guy. For a guy that has consistently proven everybody wrong at every turn that he's taken in his career, uh, he's taking on this challenge very much in the same vein. Like I said, his mother always yeah. said, show them, Marty. He's yeah. going to show people. I commend Kent Hughes. You know, it was one of the gutsiest hires when you think about it. They really as Ken Campbell put it, you know, one day on Twitter, when people say he's a peewee coach, like they literally hired a peewee coach type of thing. And it was a gutsy move. And I'm going to say this, and it's not because we're in Montreal and we follow this team, but I really believe that at this current time, where they are, what their reality is, is just what the doctor ordered. Like, I don't think there could be a perfect fit of a, 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 a raw inexperienced coach behind the bench, but a real student of the game with this great offensive mind and IQ and these concepts leading a group of young men in which you have some really talented players like the Suzuki's and Caulfield's of this world with others coming up over the next couple of years in a very pressure market, but where there's no pressure right now because everyone knows they're a team that finished last and it's going to take a while. And if you don't want to call it a rebuild, call it a revamp. I think it's just the perfect guy at the perfect time for the perfect team with, you know, not as much pressure as you normally would have with this team and in this market. I think it's great. Yeah. It, it, fits, great it fits perfectly in the timeline, right? Exactly yeah. where they're at, exactly what his experience is. But I, I would also suggest that, one of the reasons why it is kind of perfect as a match is because St. Louis has been on the bottom feeders and he's been on the champions. He knows the whole process. You know, he's been through the whole process. He's seen the development of guys like Steven Stamkos. He grew up with Vinny LeCavalier and Brad Richards. Uh, he was around great players like Tim Taylor and Dave Andrichuk. He, he understands it so inside out, you know, in that, we keep going back to that introductory press conference. You know, one of the yeah. key things they said, right, was like 
he may not have experience as a coach, but his wealth of experience as a player is somewhat un, like unparalleled among the coaching fraternity. You know, like yeah, if, if if he had never won, if he had never been through that kind of championship experience and understood what it takes, he, he could have all the other boxes checked and may not be the right guy for the situation we're yeah. talking about. But yeah. if you're trying to build a winner and not just a team that competes for the playoffs, as, we, as we've seen for the last you know, 25 years in Montreal is basically the, the standard lowered when Patrick Wall left. Um, you know, it just, I agree with you. You know, there's, there yeah. seems to be a symbiotic kind of thing yeah. here with Martin St. Louis and where the team is at. Yeah, like you and me. And by the way, you know, Marty St. Louis is not only a perfect fit for the Montreal Canadiens, but I think you would be a perfect fit as a collaborator on the SICK podcast. So you and I are going to talk, and it's got nothing to do, by the way, with your connections and all your contacts with Gordon and Hughes and St. Louis and talking to Gallagher and Byron and all the players earlier today. I really like when you talked about my natural aptitudes and the fact that it didn't take me long before I became great. The second you said that, I said, I have to have him on, even if he says that all the time. I'm just joking. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did, and I hope to talk to you again in the very near future. It's always fun. I'm sure we will. Thank you very much. There you have it. Eric Engels, Marinero, The Sick Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Sick Podcast, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell all your friends about it. Get on the bandwagon. This show and this host is sick. Who's better than me? Nobody. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, Intense by Nature, and Lakage. If the last time you went to Lakage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lakage. The menu will surprise you.